be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon. I'm Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Cindy filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello. Freelance writer and critic for Nehru. It's too early in the morning for me to be making sense. And also another Sydney filmmaker and Sydney premiere this week for Rhapsody of Love, Kathy Liu. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. Hello! Hi. Hi, everyone. We're going to be talking with Kathy in a few minutes about Rhapsody of Love, which is having its premiere tomorrow night at Dendi and screening throughout the week. But before we do that, we're going to talk briefly about what's happening this week, which is really just one thing, which is Philmonic Melbourne having their 111th Kino, which... Oh, short film night screening which you can tune into online which is next Tuesday night and later in the episode we're going to be talking all things in the heights which starring directed by John M. Chu and which is in cinemas now the adaptation of the Lin-Manuel Miranda Broadway musical but first we are talking Rhapsody of Love so you're the lead actress of this new film right Kathy can you tell us a bit about it oh yes I am so it is um, essentially a romantic comedy um, and it just follows the lives of a few couples in different stages of their, you know, their, their love life. Um, yeah, and it's an independent film. Um, and we are actually we're very excited that it's gotten all the way to a cinema release right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember because I had first heard about this two years ago, uh, and it didn't connect that this was the same film. Like when I met you and we're talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, I remember talking about a similar film two years ago. So how's the process been from like you know it's been in the making for a long time, and now it's getting a cinema release? How are the feelings, how are the emotions? Oh, I think everyone's just really. I was talking to the director last night, and we're like, man, we did not expect to come this far. So I guess it really shows you just, you know, just keep taking one step after another. Mm. Yeah, that's the reality of micro-budget filmmaking, right? It's like years between uh, conception and release. I think we, um, we, I think she wrote it in 2000, 2019. Okay. So it's that's pretty actually, fast. That's actually very fast. Joy's, Joy, Joy Hopwood, the, uh, the director, writer, producer, is someone who just likes getting stuff done fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you get involved with this project? Um, so I've known Joy and I was in her her last, uh, the film before this, just in a support role. And we just had such a great time. And so I remember just the last day of shooting, dropped her, dropped her off at the house and I was like, you know what, we should do this again. Let's write a film. You write, you go off and write a film. Let's do this again. Mm-hmm. And so I, she had me in her head since writing, for, for writing this one, yeah. Mm, cool. And tell us about the production itself. You shot it all around. It's been quite a few years in the making. Um, so we shot it uh, um, actually quite around Sydney. So we had something in like southwest area and then we shot like in North Sydney. We shot in many friends' houses. Um, yeah, no, it, it was, it was um, yeah, like any indie, indie film, whatever you can get, you just use it. Yeah. It's really cool to see like a film shot around Sydney, which is showing Sydney because often Sydney gets masked around as other cities. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Um, but yeah, I think you. Um, we, there's a there's a beautiful shot where my heart gets broken. <laughs> in the film. I'm sitting at the bus stop, and it's the beautiful, you know, Sydney kind of harbour nighttime in the back. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's um, a nice side effect of the pandemic. Also, maybe like getting to see a Sydney shot film in Sydney. Yeah, um, and I just I remembered Joy called me up during because we actually shot it in um, January and February 2020. Just before the pandemic hit and um, halfway through the pandemic, um, Joy was like, oh, I was talking to, um, you know, who and who at um, 
something related to like film, but they were they were like your film is one of the few films that um, have actually got produced during during two thousand and twenty. I'm like wow, <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit about the crew. It's a very exciting uh, team that's come together, and it's uh, pretty diverse. Yeah. Um, so um, the producer Anna Tuari is such a she's like my Joan of Arc. Like, like she's such a um, she cares so much for, for for everyone, and so it's been really nice to see her just encourage all people from all diverse groups of life. And um, and we managed to also get a, a cinematographer, Goldie. Do you know Goldie? Goldie Sotiano? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. She's, she, she did the um, that series, All for One. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know that series? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about it, yeah. You were mentioning before we started that basically all the key creatives were women. Yeah, yes. with yeah. the editor's a, a guy, but he has sensitivity sensitivity of a woman as well. <laughs> but it's, you know, it was, it was just wonderful. It was just, we had such a great time. And also because it's such a, a small... Because you know everything is so limited, and you know you have like key, just a few people. You all just kind of like focus and just like let's just do this. But was that a key decision to, or deliberate uh, to have more women behind the camera as well to tell these kind of stories, or were they just happened organically? I think because because it's a rom com, we wanted to actually because it's a rom com. There, there's a because most rom coms, women are the main focus of the story, and it's nice to like you know have shots and feelings that come from more of a female perspective. So I guess we were trying to at the very least get someone who understood the the sensitivities of shooting a rom com, mm. and you know. And so, yeah, so it naturally fell to, to all the people we found. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel, uh, if you can spill, give the Film Fight Club exclusives, yeah. like, do you feel excited or nervous to see it finally coming oh, to the screen, mostly? So, to be honest, I've seen it, um, I've seen it, I've seen, like, um, I've seen it at the Gold Coast Film, I've seen it a few times at the Gold Coast Film Festival at, um, at a special um, Chinese New Year screening and then another preview screening. So, um, But the first few times were so nervous because it's the first time you see it. You're like, how is the audience going to react? And I have to say, most of the time, everyone comes out with a positive feeling. I'm like, yes! Mm. Yeah. Are you one of those people who likes to see your performances on screen or are you very nervous? Are you one of those actors who doesn't like to see their own performances? Oh, my God. Okay, so it depends. So you, you watch and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> the first time is always the scariest. But then you watch it, you're like, okay, I'm not 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 so bad. Okay, I can live with this. <laughs> mm. You know, and... Um, uh, I was counting the negatives there. Not, not, not... <laughs> but, but also because because I also um, you know am a director, so mm. you try to watch it objectively at the same time. So I've done this for so long that when I watch my performance, I watch it quite objectively, like right. as if it's not me. And go, okay, that's real, that's believable, good. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, if you add in all the negatives, it makes a positive, right? It's like if there's eight negatives, it makes four positives. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just kind of flicks or flips around, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and not not bad is good. That's true. Um, do you find it difficult to switch those hats between being, you know, more of an overall picture person as a director and, and then, like, focusing in on a character and the personhood of, you know, one, one aspect of the story? Um, I w- let me so repeat that question more clearly. Do you find it difficult to switch between being director and actor now? No, not really. Yeah. I really enjoy both. But when I'm... It's great when I'm being directed by Joy or someone because you can just focus on... on, on, on Mm. On just um, your your you know being present, but when I when I did my own web series, I was the director and I was the actor, and it's funny because during that time, you you know when it was my scene, I was like had so many other things to focus on that as soon as the 
the ballpark of the acting was in the right place. I'm like, yeah, moving on. <laughs> so you become less conscious of your of your acting. Yeah. Can you give us kind of like just like give us the press notes? Press notes. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> press notes. It's the first Asian Australian um, romantic comedy. Um, wow. Which is quite a historical moment because. Uh, and also, uh, I was interviewed earlier, I mean, I think last year, and, I, and about something about, um, what was I talking? Oh, yeah, I was talking about how it's the first time we're going to actually see Asian and it's Asian-Australian kissing on screen, like two of them. And it's kind of strange that you don't see them more often. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And even when I was watching it for the first time, I'm like, oh, wow, that does look different because we're so not used to it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, what else? What other press notes? First Asian-Australian film... Um, actually, that's the main. That's the yeah. main historical mm. moment of everything. The, the other thing I was thinking about, uh, in just in terms of rom coms, I feel uh, we've come to a point in our sort of movie watching uh, zeitgeist where rom coms have been not really relevant anymore. Do you think this is going to bring it back? What's the appeal of a rom com these days in a superhero saturated cinema kind of thing where everything is super violent and everything else? This is going back to a more. I think rom coms are more nineteasy. Yeah, in 2000, but I think it's going to come back because, you know, I think whatever's going on, I think rom-com, again, focuses on love and relationships and women and we all need we all need love in our lives. And, yeah. this, and, and rom-com is such a, I think there's always a place for it. You know, even if you don't put the rom-com on your front shelf of your DVD, you, every cupboard, you kind of hide it, yeah. <laughs> you get a little guilty nah, pleasure. It's, it's, it's always on my front shelf. Oh, yeah. well, good, <laughs> so good man, that. good man. <laughs> But I think it's. I think there's. I think there's always a place for rom com, especially because it's. It's the only genre I feel that really deals with life stuff in a very light-hearted way. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've faced in helping bring a micro budget to a theatrical release? You know, all along the way. Like, what's that experience been like? Challenges. I think it's just. Um, it's always against you know. It's time you know because with shooting time it was so condensed. So you just. Like me and the actors were on our spare time. We were just rehearsing, so we got all the lines down, so that on set we could just do it mm. quite fast. And stuff. But I, I think any challenge is you just have to kind of, kind of step up and, and see it as an opportunity. So I think for us, we just we just kind of focus and just you know get it out. Yeah. So where can we see it? How long is it running and everything else? Okay, so um, it's uh, it opens at Dendi in um in Newtown in Canberra and Cooparoo, Brisbane, this Thursday. And at the moment, it's running to Monday. And it's, I think it's playing about one session a day at the moment. So, you know, so catch it if you can, yeah. Okay, so we'll be along on tomorrow night at the Dendy Newtown session, but there'll be more screenings soon. Cathy, thank you so much for joining us and chatting all things Rhapsody of Love. Oh, no, thank you for having me, guys. It's good to have a real local filmmaker plugging a real local production it is, it is on a real, real local radio. I'm, I'm a real person as well. Yeah, 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 true. <laughs> it's great, and it's, it's, you know, we're all Sydney people, so... Yeah, we always see you around, and we always say, oh, we should have you on the show sometime, and now it's like plugging a real theatrical release. And that you, our guys, are going to see tomorrow. That's true, we are. Yeah, yeah. So you're listening to Film Fight Club on 2CR with uh, Kathy Lou, Glenn Fowles and Chris Evans of Rutney Roo. Just a note before we get into all things in the heights, 
MIF, Melbourne International Film Festival, MIF 69, have just announced their first slate. Only a few films. They're doing a two-hand retrospective. Uh, the new Skiyama is there. The Drover's Wife long title film is the opening night film. I can't remember the full title. It's very long, lengthy, like Borrowed it's, style. Isn't it just called The Drover's Wife? The Drover's Wife something, something, something. Who blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's it. Um, also, MIF 69. Ha! Can I lower the level of the discourse and just Dude say... Ads. Yeah, yeah, well, Ferrat laughing when you mentioned 69, funnily enough, is exactly my reaction when I started seeing the marketing. It's not funny that it's number 69, but it is funny that the marketing team decided that the poster for the festival should just be a giant 69. Like, <laughs> I know. But they, also with the typeface and the font? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's literally, very, you'll, you'll see. They're you'll 100% see. leaning into it. It's very it's, yeah. it's It's funny. And, and I'll give him that. And the it's, first announced the first announced the first film was two hands. Right, yeah. ah, there you go. Playing into it, but sure. I actually watched for the first time two weeks ago. Great movie. It is a great movie. Yeah, I agree. But very Sydney. But yeah, the the thing it could um, be number four or five on the list. But the the thing about the the Myth sixty nine thing. Is sorry. God, excuse us. Excuse no, but us. excuse them. It's very much a like see you in the NT type marketing angle. Yeah, yeah. like they're like, all right, it's number sixty nine. Let's lean all the way into that. Usually, like if this were the sixty seventh, they wouldn't have a giant sixty seven, and that's their marketing hook on the poster. Yeah, they've yeah. gone the South Australia route. As I well. mean, cl- yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly they know what they're doing. Of course they do. This is not a. That, no, oh, we was, made a terrible mistake. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I just thought it was very funny. It, it, it's both very not myth and very myth at the same time yeah. Yeah. Which, which I appreciate yeah. I'm sure somebody out there is going to be miffed about this once they realise the marketing I don't marketing. think anyone cares <laughs> no, <laughs> no I don't think so I, I think, I, I'd like to see someone get up in arms in the, say, I'd like to see someone get up in arms and angry about this exactly like, be like oh. this is not what cinema is about yeah, this is serious <laughs> yeah, yeah myth coming off it's most successful year ever let's see if they can top 193,000 views this, I, I don't want to think about 69ing when I'm watching a 45 minute long shot of a dude in a mine getting lost <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were bringing that one up. There's always a film like that at MIF every year. But also to note, it's not just um, online. It's in person. There's a hybrid model this year, which is cool. And it's also throughout the state. They're screening at venues in the Castle, Maine, at the beautiful Theatreal, and other um, non-major Victorian capital cities that aren't Melbourne. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I'm time in actual rural Victoria. I have another excuse to do so. I'm going to do that and then go to Melbourne. Uh, yeah, awesome. Do you want to take a risk going to Victoria and then getting this, locked out? This, Everything's this, a this risk. Is obviously, Sydney, pending I mean, any health yes. advice. By the time you're listening to this, we could all have COVID nineteen from us just coming yeah, into from, the city today. From Sydney, actually, I, Sydney honestly, cluster is going as well. That's things right. don't. Yeah, we're recording this a day before you're listening to it, and like, day, think, like almost two days. Before. Almost two days before you're listening to this, and like, yeah, things are looking a bit hairy right now. <laughs> to tell the truth. And Sydney. Yeah. yeah. So we, we urge you to follow all urban health advice from the New South Health Department. All the locations are up there. And yeah. to us, I do regular coverage of this much more detail yes. than we have yes. right That's now. That's true. So <laughs> trust them, not us. All we know is film. Exactly. <laughs> so. And we saw Contagion and we're just going off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. our scientific knowledge. Sorry, it's not really this period to Contagion. Any 69 related activity needs to be performed in very safely and with uh, enough social distancing, if that's even possible. It, not possible. <laughs> not possible. Is that, is that the health guidelines? I haven't read them in a couple of hours. But wow, they've been updated. Okay, so if we do MIF specials, we have to open up with like, here we are at MIF 69. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the beef of and butter, like, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's you know. going to be a recurring gag. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, Beavis, Beavis. I need TV for my bunghole. <laughs> guys, so now that we've really lowered the level of film fight club. There's no way to transition it into heights here. There's no just no. clean transition to this Lin Manuel Miranda musical. We'll have to I mean, go with we're, we're, we're in the depths. No, we have to be in, in the, the depths. depths. So we have yeah, to go yeah, in the yeah. heights. Oh, actually, that was admittedly amazing. So, got, <laughs> on moving, that note. On that note. In the Heights, the feature film adaptation of the Broadway musical. I was very fortunate to catch the original run on Broadway almost 13 years ago when it's when it's first aired. It was my first ever Broadway musical. You're like Lin Manuel Miranda. Who's this guy? Yeah, I doubt he's ever going to be an international household name. Yeah, like this. This was all right. This was thought this was pretty good. And then years later, I'm watching Hamilton. I'm like, wait a minute, Lin Manuel. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, guys. I, I'm an OG. Yeah, friend, yeah. You, you went, was it on Broadway or off Broadway? When no, you this was on 42nd, 44th Street. This was the original theatre, original run, uh, first few, first couple of months. It was before they won the Tony. Yeah, wow. Um, happy, yeah, I'm happy to say it was there before. It got big, guys. It was a moment. Big deal. It was, it was great. Uh, we actually, yeah, we just rocked up and didn't know what to see. And we could get reasonable tickets, all 12 of us. And we saw on the Heights. I'm glad we did because 13 years later, I'm watching the movie. And... I think the most surprising part about that story is that Glenn had 12 friends to go with. In New York. <laughs> in New York. <laughs> it was a good time. I remember being in New York. That was, it's a great time. I'd love to go back. I thought we were your only friends. So you it, are. This past, you this past Glenn, are. Glenn, he was more social. I, I paid for their tickets and they joined me. <laughs> Would yes, you like to be my it. friends to go to a musical? <laughs> it, it, the, the guy who said it would be big one day, will be able to have bragging rights for your friends. The, but, the truth is, Glenn is, is like the most social person I've ever seen. Um, yeah, so. out, of, out of the three of us, definitely. I think I can, I can admit that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually going to be fun tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of friends at the premiere. It's going to be mostly Kathy's friends, but some of them are my no, friends too. We, yeah, we, we, have a good we, time. we could uh, vicariously live off their friendship, yeah. Yeah, cool. We, we, yeah. 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 Friends are good. We like friends. <laughs> we, we do like friends. <laughs> this, this movie what do you think of the reunion? The reunion special. I keep getting told to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. No, right. just, just, just no. Apparently, it's like half a clip show. But, but you celebrities who we don't care about. Why is James Corden in the Friends reunion? James Corden is in everything now. Because people uh, who like James Corden also like Friends, probably. Yeah, and you're oh. a Seinfeld person, Glenn, so you clearly Not have sure. better taste. It's all right. I, I mean, I liked Friends a little bit, but Seinfeld is the far superior 90s show. There's no show. comparison. No, there's no, there's no comparison. Yeah, was there ever a comparison? Seriously? At the time, only because they were the two most popular shows. Sort of like Hamilton. The new show from the creator of In the Heights. Yes, <laughs> uh, really. Good segue. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I tried hard for that one. It, it's, it's, it's been a real Lin Manuel week with the new Tick Tick Boom trailer dropping, and I saw Hamilton last week. I know Virat saw the uh, Sydney production earlier in the year. I'll see it in a couple of months. Yeah, I, it really shows. I, I like In the Heights as a broad thing, but it really shows just how much he used it as an opportunity to refine his craft and then really deliver in Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton is a masterpiece. I think In the Heights is very, very good. We should talk, what we're going to do with this review, a bit of a different one. We're going to divide our review into three different parts. The first part, we're going to be talking a little bit about the songs and performers. Second part, a little about the controversy that's beset the film. And the third substantive part, we're going to be talking about the adaptation and technical craft. So... I mean, I feel like the first and third parts of those fit in pretty nicely together because when I think about the technical craft in here, I think about those songs. 
And they're good. They're good. So they're very good, yeah. So we'll talk about in the, what In the Heights is. In the Heights is from director John M. Chu, and it is set in Washington Heights in Upper Manhattan. It is about a community and members of those community who are concerned that due to rise of costs of living and changing demographics in the area, that the Latin American community made up of um, both new migrants and long-established members, intergenerational, from many different Latin American communities, including the Dominican Republic and Chile and other else will be not that the community is fragmenting on these blocks so what struck me not having seen the musical before is that this is very much not driven by plot i mean it's got the the aspects of the plot as you say about the fragmenting community and um people being priced out um but it's also about a couple of romances and it's also about um a couple of you know personal choices: Do I stay? Do I go? Do I do I you know want to move on to bigger dreams, or, or should I focus my attention here on the and the value of community? It's all these little strands, but it's mostly driven by the dance numbers as a because it's so it's such a multi-threaded narrative. It's more driven by the show aspects of it. I found like it's more driven by the the flow of the sequence of big musical numbers and the musical numbers i thought were really good i thought this film was really well directed with great energy um really just fun to watch yeah to note um, it's starring anthony ramos who plays lawrence in the original production of hamilton um cory hawkins leslie grace um Rilis barrera olga maridas and jimmy smiths in a key role oh as well as gregory diaz the fourth so quite an extensive cast mm. all very likable I, I think what I liked about, uh, liked about this, as Chris, you mentioned, is that instead of uh, a lot of musicals focus on plot beats to, and the songs are basically interspersed within the narrative, mm. whereas this uh, production actually had songs which are character motivations, which really were the turning points in the next beat of the narrative. Yeah, and right? that's the way I think it should be done. Yeah, I know, I agree. And it is far superior because of that. Yeah, I think in terms of pacing the film, and you see this in Hamilton 2, absolutely nails it. With regards to the songs itself, I think with Hamilton, it's impossible not to compare it to Hamilton because it is a benchmark of musicals and it's such a similar style in so many respects. There is, I think within the Heights, there's a lot of songs that are very good, but that are also very similar. I think in Hamilton, he drew the right balance between having a lot of good recurring beats, but having a lot of very distinctly sounding songs. Mm. And in this, the numbers are great, but some of them do blend together just as a consequence of them being somewhat samey. There are some wonderful sequences like the pool sequence, which I know has been heavily publicized, Fantastic. along with the Matriarch song, my favourite within the film. Yeah, Um I think this film does a good job at splitting between really spectacular sequences, like the two you mentioned, and one other later in the film involving some gravity-defying dance moves. Really good. Really, really, really good. good. Um, and more just kind of casual, off the cuff. It's shot like a normal movie, but people are just kind of singing sequences. Um, I think it's a good approach to adapting this material and to making a contemporary musical, a thing that people keep attempting, but it, it feels like no one's really cracked yet. Maybe this is one of the first successful attempts um, it, because this is just a story about everyday people from the neighborhood. So the, the kind of like reined in low key kind of vibe works really well. I really liked the hip hop sequence where the characters are drawing their metaphors with their fingers. Oh, beautiful. That was, yes. that was such a, a great way of visualizing rapping and, and the, the, the wordplay going on there. And also a great use of the visual medium. Like in that's this, right. that's, you know, that's typically something that, 
you can accomplish it in a theater stage, yeah. but it's actually more suited to film. So you're using the film medium yeah. to actually and thinking, know, enhance that. Thinking about how we're going to yeah. film musicals and, and like a new approach to musicals and blending the hip hop aspect that Eslin Manuel Miranda does. How do we translate to that to the screen? I think the film keeps coming up with great visual concepts. I, because I live for that kind of thing, maybe would have liked a few more over the top, ridiculous. Um, visual extravaganza sequences in this as it is there are only a few most of the time as i said it goes for a more kind of low-key approach but the cast uh what's keeping it together and they sell it yeah the cast are great um i love the big trust before um smith's I, I think you have that situation they're falling into where the older cast members bring the heart and the young cast members bring the energy and dynamism and for the most part which i think works very well there's stuff in this which wouldn't be possible but for the advent of cinema um refer to the visual um graphic flourishes i love the opening scene where a lot of the beats that are being performed by the orchestra in the pit are just performed by tapping on things in the shop. So there's very in situ use of sound design, which wouldn't otherwise be possible but for the film. Um, and I remember, like, look, thinking back to the actual stage production, there's it's the stage production is very, very clear as to its geography. Like, they talk about in the heights, and there's the famous thing where they point upwards, and they're literally pointing towards the heights. You can't translate that for cinema, so, but they have the opportunity to actually film on these neighbourhoods. But instead of just translating those dance moves across, which aren't as relevant in a film context, they change that up. So there's things where they're really conscious of, here's what this works on stage, here's what works on film, and I think there's a really mature considered approach to this which I really appreciated. John M. Chu was doing step up movies like 10 years ago he's a pro at this kind of thing like filming dance choreography for screen he does a really good job of it yeah Yeah, but I also appreciate how this language is very different from step up I mean he could have rehashed a lot of those sequences and uh, stylistically Mm. this definitely has its own language which I did appreciate Turning to the cast, um, I really like them. One thing I've seen criticised is the presence of Lin Manuel Miranda. Something I actually disagree with. I, I, I thought well, it was I, cute, but it is very—it's kind of distracting because whenever he turns up, it's like, oh, it's that guy, and he's playing such a minor but, kind of role. But, but here's the thing—you you, you can't blame him for the fame he has gotten. I think people often also criticise him for being not that necessarily a great actor. I think he's good. He's not on the level of Leslie Odom Jr. or David Diggs for sure. But here they've kind of struck a balance between having his presence, which is what we want, but at the same time not having it over the narrative. He's playing a guy who has a juice stand, who's not necessarily this elder sage, or necessarily exists outside of the narrative, but is involved, comes in as a liked figure, so it's not this revered, separate hitherto thing, or this just very natural uh, guy just sitting there casually, Oatslin Manuel. I think they've struck a nice balance, which I like. Yeah. So I'm, I, was, I was fine with how they um, integrated him, or he, how he was integrated within it. Mm, but speaking of the cast, maybe there were some other things you wanted yeah. to touch on? Yeah, so we, we, I feel we've, a lot of the uh, coverage of this film has touched on criticism from members of the Afro-Latino community that there is not significant diversity within this film and that members of the Afro-Latino community, which is very, which is very large, including in the Washington Heights area, are not represented. I feel, as in, before we get into this, this is an aside, um, I think distinct from the stage production, it's a little unclear. It seems there's a set contemporaneously, Mm. And I feel the film, not just for a lot of reasons, would have had a little bit more resonance if it had actually been set 10, 20 years ago when the musical was intended to be set. Yeah, clearly it's set like 20 years ago when the big blackout happened. But for some reason, they've decided to place it in the present, yet maintain that aspect of the plot. And where the area has significantly... I haven't spent a great deal of time that the area has significantly changed. I imagine probably a lot more white people have moved in. Yeah. 
one aspect thereof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was remembering the other day in um, in Francis Ha, Greta Gerwig is oh, upset yeah. about how she has to move to Washington Heights because she can't afford anywhere else basically oh yeah yeah it's it's, that's it's funny that contrasting that view with this view where it's like hey fuck off white lady (laughs) yeah pretty much with with your hipster woody allen pretensions like yeah yeah you know yeah um anyway yeah just 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 on the controversy i mean my feeling is controversy controversy. look i mean to get into this I, I feel the, to the extent that the film's not represented the local community, then, then that is that is a failing of the film. But I would say that doesn't merit it not being seen, just because a it's very good, but also it's a very diverse. It is a very diverse musical, which in its stylings and songs and emphasis and themes focuses on diversity and celebrating it and representing it. So well, that's just my two cents. That's it. It's hard for me to really speak conclusively on this because I'm not American, right? Um, uh, but. I I believe, given that Lin Manuel came out and apologized, I believe probably you know there's definitely merit and value to this idea that it's not representative of how black the community is, and we're seeing more dark skin, <coughs> sorry, more light skinned Latinas in this film. Right. That said, I don't think that Hollywood is going to take the lesson that the the loud mob um, taking this film to task is sending. I think they're going to go, oh yeah, our big film with a with a Latin American cast bombed. No more of those ones. Yeah, they're going to take a very very sad. Lesson. It strikes me as uh, um, another real own goal um, in that the left makes against itself. Um, but also, I mean, in the larger context of things, given the pandemic situation, a lot of films are going to bomb regardless. This yeah, is not but, the best time for movies. But this to should have done. Kind of this should have done better than Mortal Kombat. It's a very good film. It um, is. I think that the problem is it it just shows how much America lives in little bubbles. Like this is actually a huge thing where, uh, you know, in, in terms of representation and diversity, and it could be seen as the first step um, where, you know, towards greater, I'm not saying you need to um, accept the, the shortcomings of it now. Um, it's it's fine to make the point, but there's such a level of vitriol and anger being... Yeah, it's, um, it's still incremental progress in some sense. Right, but it, what I mean about the bubbles is that overall it's a huge thing. Overall it's a, it's a positive step, but for the people who this 20 years ago would have been pleasing most, it's, it's not only not enough, it's worthy of like passionate rage and boycotts so, like, the where America is and where the, this group of people making a lot of noise are are in such completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, it makes it very difficult to actually move the needle on anything and get things done, right? So, just our view, we do hope you see it. And if, you, if it's your sort of musical and your sort of genre and do not see it, um, do not not see it because of this issue. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, speaking about it as a film a little bit more, I think... Um, the, some of the plot lines get a little bit lost in there. Like the, the main romantic um, angle between Usnavi and Vanessa, um, I, I felt like didn't work so well, not due to a lack of chemistry in the actors. They're great together. But just in the writing of the plot, the, the movie didn't sell me so much on their romance. I was more caught up in Nina and Benny's story, and then there wasn't enough time given to that. I feel like... The it, story is quite standard. It's relatively generic. There isn't... For a lengthy film, there isn't a very significant amount of conflict. This is the sort of musical that can... Plot that can regularly get... The bare bones, which can regularly get produced on Broadway, what makes it distinct is the setting and the styling and the quality of the music. 
Yeah, as I said, it's it's driven by the show aspect more than it is by the actual narrative, and that's fine because, like the as we said, the cast is so likable. They're great performers, great voices, great dancing, um, good energy and charisma. It's enjoyable to watch. Um, so it's a great kind of like hangout vibe, which you need if you're going to go for like two and a half hours. It's it's very optimistic. It it made me feel very happy. Um, it's kind of in a lot of ways, it's a, a a contemporary approach on like what the classic appeal of old school musicals is. But um, it still is also working on this narrative level. And I've heard the the stage version gave more uh, time to Benny and Nina's story. It did. But there's also another, I, I can't say this without spoilers, there's an aspect of a revelation that takes place in a dinner table scene where I think they wanted to focus on as social aspects and social themes in how they're related. So they left that emphasis thereof in the film. But there's more dimensions as retold in the original stage musical, which I think just makes it a little bit more thorough and a lot more interesting. Mm. And I think they left that emphasis out maybe for time and maybe just, again, to focus on the social issues, which are at the forefront of this film. And I understand why they did it, but I do think it is a bit of a failing of the film. Adaptation is difficult. Yeah, I think that's... In the Heights. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's a good movie. I mean, I mean, despite all the issues, uh, and, you know, they do have merit, I, I agree, uh, it doesn't take away from the experience of watching the film. It was no. still very enjoyable, and I kind of, I agree. I wish it did well. I think it's going to do well in Australia, I feel. Because well, Australia in doesn't have a market for musicals more, and a, maybe, but look an in, appetite more it, than probably the US right in, now. In Australia, they've done what they should have done in America, which is two weeks, two weekends of previews. I feel like the word of mouth in this film is going to be so positive that it should do well. But it's also the timing. Hamilton right now is playing yeah. in Australia, so it's current. True. Uh, we don't want to pay a hundred something bucks for Hamilton ticket. Hey, here's a Lumumba Miranda musical. That's good. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. Fair yeah. enough. For like twenty five bucks. Uh, actually, three hundred and fifty for a Hamilton musical ticket. That's what I paid. Uh, wow. Oh, wow. I. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You did not pay that much. I'm guessing. Uh, no, but um, I, I imagine you had quite. Uh, I, I had a very kind of box seat. Yeah. It oh, was, okay. It is good, but yeah. Good. But was it worth $350? I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, but also it was like, you know, I, it was a preview run. It was sold out. It yeah, was right. an experience like everyone was really into it. Yeah, 350 is crazy for something that's not a one-off. Okay, yeah, fine, Even, fine, fair enough. It's, it's <laughs> a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, if, if we're allowed to, if you'll indulge us now we're in the podcast territory, yeah. just going a little bit into musical theatre review, something I did for stages but haven't done in a while now. Yeah. Um, Having watched, having listened to and watched the Disney version of Hamilton and then watching the version here, there's something that really struck me. They've tried to recreate the experience as much as possible. Yes. So they've cast someone as Hamilton who's very good, but more than necessarily for talent, res is mimic resonates as a Lin-Manuel Miranda type yep. figure in terms of their um, vocal vocals and physicality. Now, Miranda's great, but I think a failing of his compared to a lot of the other cast members is that he's not a, as great a vocalist and he's not as physical. And they could have... he looks like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Looks like so Miranda. Yeah. that box. Yes. But here they could have mixed up the choreography with someone a little more dynamic, but... They didn't. They wanted to recreate the experience as much as possible That's so the American stupid. version. You can never capture exactly that. And, and the, also it's the other so thing, I, I don't know, probably Glenn noticed, probably you would definitely would have, is that the songs were slightly slowed down in tempo, uh, is what I feel. Interesting. I feel... Okay. The, the rap, especially for the rap elements, 
it is not as like we, quick we can't fire. do that. We're Australian. Sorry. No, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know why that was. Maybe it was just the uh, you know for a live performance Our, element of it. You, you see, okay. They did that for the two key yes. Lafayette yeah. and Jefferson raps. So you did but, notice that but, I was but, not but, like. See, I, I, I'm going to give the production the benefit of the doubt here. That I don't think it's the purposeful choice. I think it's simply that I'm reminded of the Muppets parody of Hamilton, which is on YouTube by a Disney voice actor, <laughs> where. The guy who plays, who does Fozzie Bear's voice, is trying to do the raps, and they make a joke about how he just can't manage it. The level of Darby Diggs, and I'm pretty sure the actor, as good as they were, they were the best actor in the production to play Lafayette and Jefferson, just isn't on the level of Darby Diggs and couldn't deliver those rhymes with that tempo. Which, which, fine, like he was great, but Darby Diggs is just on another level to most other musical performers. Okay, yeah, and but it's probably I'm glad that you agree that. They were actually took because in, in my head I was like, "Am I being racist? <laughs> is this like racist? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. How did, the, how did this come up? I, like, I, I, I just hate Australians. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, am I wrong in thinking that that this is Australian production? They've slowed it down because they can't handle it. We are slow, <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the stereotypes about us from overseas. It's like Australian service. Really? Laid back. It's laid true. Back. They, they tell, laid back, right? They it's say, they let's say, like, be prepared for laid back service. But, that, I mean, there's, I won't name names, but there's places that they want Australians, like, be prepared for people here are way too laid back. You see, I say there's this. a spectrum. You see, I say this, but then I think about time in New York and just think of how fast everything was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They, yeah, they, they tell tourists, like, yeah, yeah, don't lose your cool, don't snap at people. This is just the way things are. Yeah. Um, Go see Hamilton. The music, if you if yeah. you if you, you want to be in the room where it happens, but yeah. if you can't afford to see Hamilton, yeah. and even if you can, see in the Heights. Yep, it's yeah. good times. It's fun. 20, it makes you feel good in a in a time where you might not be feeling good. Yep, twenty bucks for an adult ticket. It's definitely worth the price of admission. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's out tomorrow. And just to turn it Hamilton quickly, you know what the best staging was? The three of them um, doing the, <laughs> it was Burr and Jefferson and Adams um, singing out the Reynolds pamphlet. Yes. Just incredible Thank stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, so that is, in, that is in the Heights. We'll be back next week covering God Help Us, Fast 9. As well as The Sparks Brothers, the new documentary on The Sparks Brothers by Edgar Wright. And you can check out The Sparks, they're a band. Kathy Lou's film Rhapsody in Love at Dendy Cinemas Newtown, Cooper Roo, and other Dendy locations. Have it's a swell time Monday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a swell time, Red Bros and Gals. Enjoy movies. Hola, chicas. Stay safe. I don't know what the hell Stay I'm doing safe, now. I haven't had enough sleep. We shall see you in space. You'll find out why next week. Ooh, oh yeah. So the final frontier to the moon. Bitcoin. <laughs> Dogecoin. 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 Sorry, Dogecoin. Goodbye. Goodbye.